Good morning, once again. Um, for those of y'all who you know, don't know me by now, my name is Chris Mills. Um, my wife and I have been coming to this wonderful church for a couple of years now, um, and we count ourselves very blessed to be a part of this family. Um, uh, thank you so much, too, for the uh, opportunity to, to stand in the pulpit while our pastor Josh is on sabbatical. I pray that um, you would remember him in your prayers uh, as he's just taking some time to rest and recuperate and spend time with his friends and his family because um, he, he served here for 10 years um, and only had a few short vacations uh, that were few and far between. Um, so on his behalf, thank you for giving him the opportunity uh, to recharge, uh, to come back. If I know Josh well, um, and I think I do, he's going to come back and he is just going to be just ready to go. Uh, he is going to be an idea factory and he's going to be excited. Um, and so hold on to your seats because I'm sure he's just going to be a whirlwind when he comes back. And that's exciting. It's a good thing. Um, it keeps us from getting stuck in the, the boring and the mundane. Um, but today I'm going to share a passage with you all uh, that I uh, like to call my least favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, I know that sounds really bad to say, but the reason that it's my least favorite is um, it constantly, constantly haunts me. I, I tend to learn things the hard way. I tend to uh, uh, overthink. I, I tend to... Um, when things are going good, I kind of forget what's going on and get so focused on the good things that I forget who put me in the good place to begin with. Um, and this was a verse that my spiritual parents, um, Randy and Jennifer Loxton, constantly, constantly told me all the time to the point that it would make me mad, which is a good thing because I was wrong and the Lord was right. Um, the passage I'm going to be reading to you all is just real short. It's Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So the very first phrase in this is something that we probably just read through really quick. Kind of overlook it. Don't take the time to really sit down and think about it. We read, trust in the Lord. I do that. If I didn't trust the Lord, then I wouldn't have given my heart to Him. I wouldn't have, have asked for salvation. I don't, wouldn't trust Him to save my soul from hell and damnation. Or, or I trust the Lord. I, I ask Him for help when things are going tough. You know, I, I rely on the Lord. I, I, I trust Him. But that's not enough. God wants you to do those things. They're great. Obviously, we have to put our trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that He would save our soul, that we would honor His sacrifice on the cross, that He gave us His love and poured out His blood for us. And it's great that when times are tough, that we turn to the Lord. These are great things. However, that is not enough. You see, Solomon follows up trust the Lord, and he says, with all your heart. So that begs the question, what is our heart? Our heart is not just our emotions. It's not just our feelings. It's not just what we think about a situation. It's not just being happy or being sad. 
the biblical term heart that is used here literally means the, the inmost person. Uh, it was actually the same word that they used for like intestines. It was just the deepest part of you. Your heart is the things you love. It's your job. It's your hobbies. It's, it's the things you enjoy to do. It's, it's your family. It's your wife, your husband, your kids. It's your, it, it is every single thing about you. It's the things that you love the most. The things that you hold dear. It's the things that when somebody go to describe who you are as a person, it's the things that they name off. It's your music. It's your art. It, 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 it's the, the hours that you put into the job that you love or the job that you hate. Your heart is every single ounce of your entire being. And God says to trust me with those things. It's not just the good things either. It's our fears. It's our doubts. It's our questions. It, it's our shortcomings. It's, it's, it's the times that we fail. It's in those moments that we have to trust in the Lord. It, it's, it's our bad habits, our, our habitual sins. It's those things that we have to trust the Lord in. It's not just the good things that we want people to know about. It's those things that we try to keep deep, dark, and secret inside of our hearts and inside of our minds that people, Lord, if they found out, then they wouldn't want me to be around. But these are the very things that God is asking us to trust Him with. This is how God wants you to... Well, excuse me, let's ask, how do we trust them then? If those are the things that God wants, how do we trust Him with those things? How do we give those things to Him? How do we place those things in His hands? And it's by this, by fully and freely giving yourself to Him. Now, this won't be easy. And God knows that. Life is hard. Am I right? We live in a broken and fallen world where everything is constantly vying for our attention. And with the development of technology, those things are just ever more present. I mean, we, we carry a device in our phone that can demand our attention at any given moment. It's so easy to take our eyes off the mark, to take our eyes off the cross. And to begin to start holding onto things maybe we just forget to trust the lord in certain things maybe we we just kind of overstep our bounds and, and think we got it we got it figured out i've done this before i can handle this and next thing you know we're the ones that are in control of our lives but before we can talk about how do we trust god why? Why do we trust the Lord our God? Is there anything that He has done that would warrant Him being trusted with every single ounce of our being? And to that I say yes. God has done far more and gone far above than anybody or any being should have ever done for people like us. For we 
were sinners. We had all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We had blasphemed His name. We had decided that our way was better. That we have it all figured out, God. We got this. So we sin. And the wages of that sin is death. So first and foremost, the reason we trust God is because while we were still sinners, Christ demonstrated His love for us and died while we were still God's enemy. So many times throughout Scripture, God reminds us just how much He cares for us. And it's not dependent upon anything that we do. If you will just bear with me, I'm going to read a few Scriptures with you all. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God promises us no matter what, He is going to be there with us in the good times and in the bad. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 and 31, Jesus speaks these words and says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are more value than the sparrows. David writes in Psalm 56, verses 8 through 11, You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? O Lord, this is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Notice in all of these passages, not once did it say, if you are doing everything right, then the Lord will not forsake you or leave you. It doesn't say that, that if you are doing everything perfect, if, if, if you are a perfect human, that God will number the hairs on your head and care about you. I know this because in, in Psalm 56, David's writing about how God keeps count of all of our tossing and turnings when we're laying in bed and we are just distraught with stress and fear and heartache. It tells us that God literally holds our tears in a bottle and that they are written in His book. Other places in Scripture, we're told that while we weep, God weeps with us. God looks at you and loves you so much you are not just anything. You're not just one of His creations. In the book of Ephesians, Paul describes what God, how God views us. It says that we are God's workmanship or God's masterpiece, depending on which word that, you know, which translation you're using. 
That word there, though, is the Greek word poema. It's where we get our word poem from. Paul is literally saying that we are God's poetry. I don't know about you all, but I, I love poetry because poetry can make you laugh. Poetry can, can make you happy. Poetry can rip your heart out and make you weep. Poetry is one of the most beautiful gifts that I feel like God has ever given us. Poetry can be put to music, and then we have our favorite songs. And this is what God calls us. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. God is offering the poem of your life, the good times and the bad times. God's heart for you is so great, so mighty, and so powerful that it defeated death, hell, and the grave on your behalf. We can trust Him. We can give Him every single part of our being. He's promised, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to just take you to some point and then, and then stop. The Bible says that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of glory. That God isn't just going to save you and drop you. God sent His Son so that He could spend eternity with you. That you may stand in His presence in a place where there's no heartache, no tears, no sorrow, no pain, no anger, nothing but the peace of the Lord and the joy of our Father. He is trustworthy. Now I know a lot of you all may struggle to believe this. And that's okay. Life sucks sometimes. Some of you all have experienced far greater heartaches than I could ever imagine. You've been bitten by life. And you're scared. You're afraid that, that if you were to fully give yourself to the Lord, that He will just ruin your life. Because you probably think that in those moments leading up to the, the time that is probably the, the worst moment in your life that I was trusting you, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you put me through that? If you are so good, why must I suffer? See, it is totally, absolutely, perfectly okay to ask God questions. So often we have been taught, don't question the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I read through the Gospels, the disciples asked Jesus hundreds of questions. And not once did he ever say, don't question me. He'd say, oh, you of little faith. And then he would answer them. He would answer the Pharisees, the ones that were literally trying to trap him in his words. He would answer their questions. Because our God is gracious. And our God created us a certain way. If you're in school and you don't understand something, what do you do? You ask a question. How can you fully come to a deep understanding of who God is without questioning Him? However, we are not to blame Him. It is not God's fault for the things that we go through. There are so many factors at play. It's the sin of other people that can hurt us. It's our own sin that can lead us to places that we shouldn't have been in to begin with. And we have to deal with the consequences of those decisions. And it's also just the fact that live, we live in a broken and fallen world. 
where cancer is a reality, where car wrecks are a reality, where death is a reality, because this, guys, is not our home. Every time we experience these heartaches, instead of being frustrated and mad at God, it should be a reminder that this is not our home. This is not what we are created to be. Jesus tells us that He goes and prepares a place for us, and if it was not true, He wouldn't have told us. The Bible says that we are just aliens passing through sojourners in a foreign land on our way to the place that we were meant to be. Those heartaches are awful, and I am sorry that you had to deal with those. I'm sorry for your loss, for your heartache, for your anger, for your frustration. But God still loves you. Even if you are so mad at the Lord, God still loves you in your anger towards Him. God never told us to bottle up our emotions. God never told us to, to just set them aside, be stoic, push your way through it, and just put on a smile and get through it. God created us with emotions for a reason, so that we can express ourselves. We like to, to hide our emotions because we think if we hide our emotions, then people won't know what's going on and God won't know what's going on. And if God doesn't know what's going on, then I don't have to change anything and I can still do the things that I shouldn't be doing or I can wallow in my pity or whatever. But we see time and time and time again throughout the Old and the New Testament, the emotions of God. We see Jesus rejoice with those who rejoice. We see Jesus literally weep when somebody dies. We see him look at Jerusalem and his heart just breaks because they had such a great opportunity to be the voice of the Lord and the love of God in the world and they missed it. And God literally came to them and because they were so blinded by all of their things, by all of their rules and their regulations, that they missed the visitation of the Lord. And that caused Jesus to weep our emotions are powerful tools if we use them correctly when you're sad be sad god can handle your sadness when you're happy rejoice god can rejoice can can handle your rejoicing when you're mad be mad god can handle your anger now the bible does tell us be angry but don't sin this is going back to don't blame God for what's going on. So, with all of that, how do we take all of those things and trust God with them? 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Peter tells us here that the first thing that we have to do to trust God is to humble ourselves. Jesus reminds us of this in the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus, right off the bat, tells us to remind yourself that God is above you, that His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, His ways are higher than your ways, that you are not in control, but He is. And when you humble yourself, it says at the right time, God will lift you up. 
But to do that, you have to cast all your anxieties on him. Jesus is literally saying, give it to me. All your anxiety, all your cares, all your hurt, all your heartaches, go to the Lord in prayer and give it to him because he cares for you. In Philippians, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So often we, we read that verse and we apply it only to negative things. When things are tough, go to the Lord. Submit your request to God when, when things are hard. But notice what Paul says. It says, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. The way we trust God is that in the good times, we thank Him for what's going on. And we rejoice. And in the hard times, we, we, we pray for His help. And we submit all those things to Him. And we tell Him what we want and what we need and why we want it. That's what that word supplication means. Give reason for it. Don't just say, God, if you don't mind, give me this. God wants to know why you want things. God already knows why you want things. God just wants you to be honest with Him. Tell Him, Lord... This is what's going on in my family. I think it would be best if this happened because of this. But we follow in the footsteps of Jesus and immediately say, but not my will, but yours be done. I think this is the very thing that Jesus was leaning on. <clears throat> Proverbs, I feel like he was leaning on, on this phrase right here. Do not lean on your own understanding. That is the primary way that we can trust God. Probably the hardest way for us to trust God. But it's the best way. God tells us, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to get all the answers because you don't know. If any of you all could tell me what's currently going on outside on Tunnel Hill Road, then you can plan my life. I don't even know what's going on on the other side of the foyer, let alone what tomorrow holds. But God makes it clear that he has authored every single day of every single person's life. He knows what's in store. Our understanding is so finite. The only things that, that we can possibly use to gain any understanding are it's just such small things. It's a he said, she said, or this book said, or, or this, 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 this. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. God tells us not even to worry about tomorrow because the day has enough worries of its own to let him handle that. We have no idea what the future may hold. We don't know what five minutes from now holds. This is why we can't lean on our own understanding. The very moment that we think we have it all figured out, 10 times out of 10, God shows us that you don't. One of my favorite things that happens every single year, and this is a good thing, at church camp, at Schaefer, every year something goes totally wrong. Our whole schedule gets knocked off course. Something's bad happens. Some the something goes awry, and we're like, "Oh no, what's going to happen? We we've messed up, or or this is not going to plan. We don't have a backup plan." And you know what? Nine times out of ten, that is the day that the Lord moves the most. 
That's the day that, that we see kids receive the Lord. That's the day that we see people just begin to worship in spirit and in truth, and they begin to laugh and put their phones down and actually spend time with one another. Because we don't know what we need. We think we know what we need, but we don't. This is why later in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Like, Give me what I need for today, Lord. I don't know. I don't know what I need. I think I do. But when I lean on my own understanding, I very quickly begin to put myself in place of God. I begin to make decisions for myself. Very quickly, I become selfish of my time and of my money. Very quickly, I begin to get very, very angry and frustrated when things don't go correctly. Because when things screw up, I'm at fault. It's interesting, um, uh, just a couple of chapters later in Proverbs, um, Solomon writes that when a man falls due to his iniquity, his heart raises against the Lord. So often when we're so angry at God, it's because of our own fault. And we're too afraid to admit it. And so our heart gets angry. <clears throat> so do not lean on your own understanding. Next, just kind of a little prescription for you. The next thing that Solomon tells us to do is to acknowledge him in all our ways. This we do by thanking him when times are good, leaning on him when times are tough, running to him when we are scared, taking no glory for ourselves and giving it all to him, looking to him on the mountaintop and in the valley, seeking him for your needs, using your gifts and talents to worship him, praying to him, teaching your kids about him, sharing the gospel with your friends and co-workers, and seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness by doing his will and not your own. Think back to all those things that made up your heart. And seek the Lord in and with all of them. This is to acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. With your kids, with your family, with your job, with, with school, with the heartache, with, with the trials and tribulations, with the good times and the bad times. Acknowledge God in those situations. When things are going good, keep your eyes on the Lord so that we don't become puffed up and forget that He's the one that placed us on the mountaintop to begin with. When things are bad and we're in the valley, turn your eyes to the Lord. Remember the words that are written, My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Turn your eyes to Jesus in the valleys. With your gifts, with your talents, whether you can sing or draw or write or, or lead many men or, or be administrative or, or anything that you are good at, do it for the glory of the Lord. Paul tells us that in all things, work as if you're working directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of these things, whether you are, are, are climbing buildings and, and cleaning windows or whether you are selling things or, or whether you are a stay-at-home mom or you are retired, Seek the Lord in those things that God may use you how He sees fit in those situations. And what ends up happening is that God makes our path straight. Isn't it wonderful 
that this passage ends with a promise. God promises us, if you do these things, I will make your path straight. However, God does not say that this path is going to be easy. Jesus reminds us that that narrow is the path and narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few find it. It's hard. It's not a well-treaden path. That there's going to be bumps. There's going to be rocks. There's going to be things that, that cause us to stumble and fall. It's going to be hard. But that path is such a wonderful path. Such a wonderful way. If it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't say in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. We walk this path by, by making God's Word a, a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. No matter what we find ourselves in, what situation, we should always turn to God's Word. Read the Word. Soak it in and allow it to change you. Allow God to be the center of your life. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a gracious God. In 2 Timothy, it tells us that our God has unlimited patience. If you think you're going to screw up and that that is causing you to be afraid of starting to begin with, I hate to break it to you, it's going to mess up. There's going to be times you take your eyes off the cross. There will be times where you stumble, where you fall, and where you mess up where you forget to trust the Lord and you begin to lean on your own understanding and you just make a circus of your life. That's okay. For there is endless forgiveness for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there may be some of, some of you all here who have never trusted the Lord with anything. Hear this message today. God loves you. God cares for you. God does not need you to fix yourself before you come to Him. God loves you right where you are in the muck and the mire of your life and in your brokenness. We cannot take broken pieces and make a complete image. You see, we were created in God's image, but we sin. And that image was distorted and our hands are now dirty and and broken and we can't put ourselves back together. We can never put ourselves in a place where we can approach a perfect and sinless God. And God cares so much about you that in that brokenness, Jesus stepped down from heaven and being God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, did all the things that we could not do. And then He died in our place. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So for maybe for you today, that first thing to trust the Lord with is you. To realize that that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Our God is a good God. He is the true God, the one God, the God who says He is love. In Him you find hope, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. He is faithful. He won't make everything magically better. But finally, you will have hope. Because God promises us that His 
hope will never fail us. So I encourage you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come to Him today and trust Him. For those of you all who already are saved and know the Lord Jesus Christ, trust Him. You're not going to figure it all out. It's going to be hard. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. Trust Him. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. When you are sad, weep and allow God to comfort you. So often in my own life, the times that I struggle the most to trust God is when things are going good. Don't be like me. When things are good, keep your eyes on Jesus and rejoice at all times, in all things, in all situations, with prayer and thanksgiving, submit your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for caring for us, for being a God that we can trust, for never failing us, for never forsaking us, I pray that you would give us the courage and the faith to trust you. That whatever is holding us back, God, that you would remove it. That if our hearts are too hard to trust you, that you would soften them, Holy Spirit. And that in all things, that we can trust you and look to you because it is then that we can be that light in the world, that, that city on a hill that you called us to be. See, the world is hurting. The world is broken. And if they can see that there is hope in that hurt and in that brokenness in the Lord Jesus Christ, then truly we will actually see how plentiful the harvest is. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.